Welcome to Abuelas en Acción, a multicultural podcast for our common good. I am Marie Dahlstrom, and I'm here with my comadres, Consuelo Zaragoza and Dr. Rosemary Celaya Alston. We are climate comadres who are talking with our guests about climate action and equitable climate solutions that benefit all community members, including those who are the most vulnerable and on the front line of this climate crisis. We hope these conversations will inspire all of us to take action as environmentalists. Talking with our families about climate change at the dinner table, for many of us, may be our first step, but it's an important one. Today, Our guest is an environmental public health professional who will talk to us about environmental health and climate change. Andrea Hamburg is the Acting Director of Environmental Health Services at Multnomah County Health Department, Environmental Health Services. Her team works within an environmental justice framework to reduce toxic exposures, and improve health outcomes associated with the built environment and prepare for our changing environment. Previously, Andrea was at the Oregon Health Authority, where she led the Oregon Climate and Health Program and coordinated the Oregon Health Impact Assessment Program. Welcome, Andrea, and thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Please share a defining moment in your life. Sure. Um, that is a, such a great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about kind of a defining moment in my career, and it was really early on. I was uh, doing tenant organizing in Minneapolis, which is where I grew up, and Uh, You know, getting to know the community that I was organizing in, getting to understand the the issues um, that they and and we, I I lived in the the community, um, were facing. And uh, the the owners of of a major apartment building uh, announced that they were going to do some construction uh, on the building. And the purpose of the construction for um, that they announced was was to build a new office for the property managers, and you know the community had been talking for for all of the weeks that I've been getting to know them about the lack of a play area for kids, the lack of daycare, uh, the lack of health facilities in place, the lack of a place to get together with loved ones who lived outside of the building, um, and. I grabbed the community together and we had a conversation. What would we want if we could have anything added to the building? Uh, and took that to the property management company and the building owners and they amended the plans. Mm. And that you know, several weeks of, of work in that community process, I think that was the first time that I really understood that the way our our environment is constructed is a series of decisions that get made. And if they get made without our input, the outcome is something that doesn't meet our needs. So it's really critical that that people are engaged in the decisions that impact their lives, um, built environment and otherwise. 
Thank you, Andrea, for sharing that. Um, you know, it's amazing. We, um, your defining moment reflects um, something that we hear often on Abuelas and what really propelled us to form this, establish this podcast because so many voices are not heard. And when, um, you know, decision makers, um, and, 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 and they may be well in, intentioned, but uh, when all voices, when the, the voices that are going to, the people that are going to be impacted by these decisions are not at the table, uh, you know, we, we can see again, like you mentioned, how um, built environment happens and uh, there aren't uh, walkable communities and parks and exactly what you talked about in terms of what the, the uh, community members wanted and needed. And it, it's often different from what um, the decision makers um, decide. So uh, thank you for that. Please talk to about uh, us. What is an environmental justice framework? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. And you know, there's, uh, there's not a single definition for environmental justice, um, but really it rises out of the idea that uh, in the United States and around the world, um, BIPOC communities bear the brunt of pollution. Um, and, you know, there was a, a fight about a, a new garbage facility in the East Coast of the United States. And a lot of people didn't want the garbage facility in their neighborhood. So, you know, unfortunately, uh, they decided that it would be uh, in a primarily um, African-American Black community. Um, and the community rose up and, and said, this is, you keep doing this to us. You can't keep doing this to us. Uh, and and organized uh, and pushed back and, and, and got some changes uh, to the siting of the facility. And, you know, I think for me, it, um, it really comes down to a couple of things. The idea about who has access to decision-making structures uh, in, our, in our political uh, and business landscape uh, and, and who bears the brunt of the decisions that get made. Uh, and really ensuring that people, particularly BIPOC people, uh, are, are involved in decision-making processes so that they get um, a fair amount of benefit and a fair amount of burden from, uh, from impacts in our common spaces, in our, in our communities. So really, for me, it comes down to nothing about us without us. And how that applies to work at the at the county, um, you know, it's it's a few different things. It's making sure that we're looking in environmental health in our work at who who benefits and and who bears the burdens of policies that we uh, policy decisions that we make. Uh, looking at public health data to really understand. Um, who's benefiting and who's being harmed. And, and because I work in public health, very specifically, we're looking at, at public health data um, to understand that. Um, and working to build relationships uh, in the community with individuals and with organizations and with businesses uh, so that we can, we can work to reflect 
needs uh, of folks in the decisions that we make. Great, thank you, um, Andrea. You know, it's really great to see you. I know the work um, when I worked with Multnomah County Public Health um, and when you came over from um, the Oregon Health Authority, I know it was really um, wonderful for the uh, department to have your expertise and your experience um, to help with, um, I know the environmental justice framework that was being talked about. So um, it's good to see you. Um, I have a, um, a couple questions. And the first is, um, as we know, many people are unaware of the impact of climate change on our health and the health of our families. Can you please talk to us about the relationship between climate and sure, our health? Absolutely, happy to. Um, well, the, the first thing is that I think it's important that we don't talk about climate change as if it's something in the future. Um, our, our climate has changed, it is changing, uh, and the impacts of our changing climate really threaten the kind of core pieces of well-being, clean air, clean water, uh, safe and abundant food, um, a lack of flooding or flooding um, in our communities, uh, and a stable, inclusive economy. And that really shows up in a lot of ways. Um, just in the last uh, couple of years, we've had uh, deaths from extreme heat in Multnomah County, uh, respiratory illness from wildfire smoke, uh, potential increase from disease from things like ticks, mosquitoes, and rats, uh, and pretty substantial mental health and behavioral health effects. Uh, in Multnomah County uh, and with our partners in Clackamas and Washington County, we released the Tri-County Climate and Health Monitoring Report to document uh, 12 different health effects plus looking at mental health uh, Across, uh, across our region. Uh, we've updated that um, one time. So the reports come out a couple of times and, and we'll keep releasing it. That's, um, you know, the, the second question I have, you've um, have um, talked a little bit about that, but you know, the, as you mentioned that the climate extremes that we've experienced in the last um, couple of years, the, the fires, <laughs> the uh, atmospheric river that we just experienced um, this last week and uh, previously, um, and um, the snow as well. Um, in sharing some of those um, experiences or um, weather disruptions, can you give us some highlights um, of the work currently that uh, you and Multnomah County are doing to ensure that our community members are prepared and safe during uh, clim these climate extremes? Certainly. Uh, well, we do work before, during, and after events to protect human health. Um, a core function of our work in public health is to monitor and investigate causes of disease, illness, and injury. Um, so as I, as I mentioned, we were tracking um, disease, illness, and injury related to uh, 
related to climate change events. And that's, you know, that's so that we can really truly understand uh, the, the size of the problem and, and start to dig into um, some contributing factors. Um, we also use that to uh, create policies to protect human health um, during future events. We also work to reduce vulnerability to the health effects of climate change, um, which generally hurt BIPOC and low-income houses first and worst. We think of that, um, that work to reduce vulnerability in kind of three different ways. The first is exposure. Um, so reducing the exposure to climate hazards. Um, for example, adding to the tree canopy, so planting trees in urban heat islands, such as the Rockwood area. Mm -hmm. uh, some, some work was done by a, an academic here in Portland during the heat dome to measure the differences in temperature around the, the city of Portland during, um, in those five days of extreme heat. And the temperature varied by as much as 20 degrees <clears throat> um, between neighborhoods with a lot of trees and neighborhoods with few trees. Um, so um, working to address exposure. Uh, the second is sensitivity. So we wanna protect people who have a biological sensitivity to climate change. Like for example, children who are more sensitive to air pollution. Children literally breathe more. They breathe really fast. Uh, so they, they take in more air pollution. Uh, they are also really active, uh, which means that they might be active uh, at times of day or, or days of the year when we have higher pollution. And an example of how we work to address that sensitivity is by communicating specifically to folks who, who have young kids, such as folks who participate in our WIC program or Healthy Birth Initiative, Mm -hmm. um, and also by distributing air purifiers to those clients so that they can create safer, clean air environments in their homes. And the third area that we think about is increasing adaptive capacity of the folks who are most impacted. And adaptive capacity is, can think, kind of think of it in terms of like uh, responses to extreme heat. So uh, a wealthier family, middle-class wealthy family um, might have a great adaptive capacity in that uh, during the heat wave, they could purchase an air, uh, air conditioner uh, or run an air conditioner that they already had without worrying about the cost of running it. Uh, they could stay with friends or family who had air conditioner, uh, an air conditioner, <clears throat> or even go to a hotel room during the heat wave to keep their family safe. Um, but a, a lower income family wouldn't have necessarily all of those tools in place. Uh, so they would have lower adaptive capacity. Uh, so we're working uh, with our partners in nonprofits uh, and with the state to help connect with resources, um, such as with the Oregon Health Plan, which can provide air conditioning and air filtration to its members. Yeah. Um, and then of course, the big thing is mitigating climate change, right? So here we are, uh, we are already feeling the effects. And, and again, as I have said, um, BIPOC and low-income folks face those effects first and worst. Um, so we really do need to end our reliance 
on oil. And um, that climate mitigation work, which is kind of big P policy work, um, is happening at the county commissioner level, um, who joined with the, um, our, our commissioners joined with the city of Portland on the um, 100 by 50 um, <clears throat> goal, which is to reduce our reliance on fossil fuels 100% by 20. Uh, and, and John Vashtinsky in the Office of Sustainability um, for many years has been leading a climate action plan at the county. Um, our latest iteration isn't so much a plan as it is a process. Um, and really kind of going back to that, nothing about us without us idea. Uh, the effort is called Climate Justice by Design. And it's, it's conceived as kind of a third space where government agencies don't dominate the agenda as we do in traditional planning processes, um, but rather um, it's a more collaborative environment with community organizations where we can make sure that uh, community ideas and needs are identified and prioritized and we can be hopefully more nimble in responding to climate change. Great. What are, what are some of the important action steps that we can all take, Andrea, to protect our families' health, health during climate extremes, especially during heat waves? Here in Arizona, we experience those quite a number of the months throughout the year and wildfire smoke exposures. Great question. Uh, well, there are of short-term and longer-term actions that we can all take. Um, the first is looking at your home. Um, what are steps that you and your family can take um, to, to better prepare yourself for wildfire, smoke, and heat waves? Well, luckily, a lot of us have um, N95 masks. The government just handed out uh, a lot of them. Um, I didn't manage to get any yet, but um, I know they're out there. Um, and, and using N95 masks when you have to be outside is a great strategy. Um, checking the local air quality um, and heat to plan your day around, uh, around when it's safe to be outside um, because both extreme heat and, and poor air quality, uh, really we should, we should limit our exposure as much as possible. Um, folks should find a way to cool their home. There are temperatures, even here in the Pacific Northwest, um, where unfortunately uh, uh, people will die. Um, so finding a way to cool home um, or making a plan to move yourself and your family to a safer location. The county opens uh, cooler air shelters when we have extreme heat days, um, warming shelters when we have extreme cold. So making a plan, nowhere to go, um, if you can't make your home a safer environment to be in during that time. Um, you know, and of course, we don't all have control over our work days. Uh, so the county has been, been advocating at the state level for worker protections around uh, both extreme heat and poor air quality. Uh, and in the longer term, we should I'll be thinking about how to make our families and communities more resilient. So, you know, I'm, I work in public health, so I don't wanna pass up an opportunity to remind everyone that exercising and eating 
a nutritious, colorful uh, diet makes us less sensitive to all kinds of stress. Um, building and maintaining relationships and, um, you know, not just with your, your close friends and families, but your neighbors uh, can make us all more resilient. We have a door to knock on when we need help. Uh, or like during the extreme heat uh, last summer, uh, I, you know, I could knock on my neighbor's doors. I happen to have central air, was able to invite a couple of my neighbors without air conditioning in for a break. Those those like very small social ties are actually really important part of our resilience. Those are really good, important action steps, Andrea. Thank you for sharing with our listeners. Um, and a lot of them don't cost any money um, to, to be able to continue to look at what the next steps need to be in helping our communities stay safe. I want to wrap us up just a little bit and want to thank you sincerely, Andrea. I know that your roof is being worked on and um, we appreciate you coming on today, even in the midst of that, because life just does happen. Is there anything additionally you would like to say before we wrap up? Um, well, I, thank you so much. What a, what a pleasure it is to be here um, talking about climate change and climate change resilience in our communities. And, you know, I think I just really want to say that we, you know, I, climate change is scary. It's scary for a lot of people. Uh, and, and it is scary for me. And um, a climate, a, an environment, a future without a dependence on oil can be um, a beautiful, abundant place. Uh, we can create a more just future uh, for ourselves, for our children, for our grandchildren, for their children and their grandchildren. Uh, we just have to dream it, believe it, and make it happen. I really appreciated um, your one-two sort of punch hit in terms of people coming to the table and making decisions are often not, not those that are living in the community and who ultimately bears the brunt of those decisions. And so I think you provided a really nice um, ability to look at this in a different kind of way where we have much more buy-in on what's happening in our communities. Um, in Florence, we are getting ready to put up hundreds of homes here um, that's going to shock the system here in this little community where I live. And I don't believe anybody came to the table to look at what we could be doing differently in terms of um, gardening and trees. It's much more pavement and block walls. And so, you know, it, it starts with our community's growth and yet what you've been able to do is provide us an, an opportunity to look at this in a different kind of way. We so appreciate all of the uh, valuable information that you provided us and your definition of environmental justice framework and what that means is exactly what it is that you have defined for us as well. Consuelo, is there any additional information you'd like to add? No, I would just like again to say thank you, Andrea. It was really nice to, to see you and it's incredible um, 
the great work that Multnomah County uh, Public Health continues to do in uh, environmental justice. I want to thank you all for listening to us today. Thank you to our sponsors, Familias en Acción, located in Portland, Oregon. Please go to familiasaccion.org for more information about their climate and health justice program. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify, and we appreciate your reviews. We look forward to having you next time with us on Abuelas en Acción. Thank you.